Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Blue Abroad Show. Monday nights after a loss. Just going back to the way it used to be with me and Pommy after a disappointing loss. Pommy, what's going on, mate? Mate, I, I love it that we break the glass to get me on a loss. I think I've done more losses this year than anyone else in the Blue Abroad fraternity. Well, when you lose and things get tough, you resort to what you know works. And uh, I know that you work after a loss. So well, we've been doing this for too long now, mate. <laughs> to be honest, I'm still shocked when we win and having to cover that. It, it, that's weird to me. Yeah, I mean, reality sucks. This whole reality sucks. I mean, you know what's funny? I love the... the I, I get frustrated by it, but I also low-key love the doomsday. I love the... Don't know if we can make finals from here. It's going to be tough. We're going to lose Tom to Koning. It's just <laughs> whatever could go wrong potentially is going to go wrong after a loss. It's it's um, it's fascinating. We, we know doomsday and negativity is what energizes me. So th- this is my power up week and uh, I'll, I'll go back to normal next week. Yeah, absolutely, mate. We'll... Uh... We'll thank our members of the channel as we always do, and we'll just get straight into it because it was um, it was a disappointing round. Uh, not that you know it's a shock that we're going to lose games from time to time, but I think the way in which we lost with the the inaccuracy and the wastefulness is probably uh, what it was. But for you, Pommy, what was round sixteen? While everyone else in the comments arrives, and uh, those of you watching at home, what happened in round sixteen? In three words, Pommy, you can do more than three words. I need more than three. Um, I mean, it was... You just said what can go wrong could go wrong. <laughs> and, and really, for, from from a Michael Voss standpoint, if you were the coach in that game, that would be incredibly... It was a breakdown of everything Voss has worked so hard to maintain. Yeah. Um, some big questionable decisions from Vossi, I might add. Um, I didn't like bringing Chera in and not being part of a rotation. But for a want of a better word, plus 40 uncontested possessions for them. And that says it all. That is the KPI that most football clubs use for what they call work rate and effort. That is a big thing. That's saying you're not working hard enough off the ball and you're not working hard enough when you've got it. And I think even if you take the bad kicking out of it, if you go back and watch that game, I watched it five times because I've got something wrong with me. Um, It's really poignant that ahead of the ball, with it, behind the ball, without it, no one's working hard enough, particularly that midfield group will have to look at themselves this week. Did you, yeah. Yeah. Did you think that they sort of took a step back after seemingly taking that that step forward last week? I don't think they took a step back. I think they just learned an important lesson this week that Voss demands team offense, team defense. It's why he doesn't tag. And when you're not working that hard ahead of the ball, you take the options away. A great example is if you go back and watch the second quarter the O'Brien smothered kick that mm. Plowman then bobs the kick straight to Tim Membry. That there is everything wrong with Carlton. And if you were the coach and you said to Plowman and O'Brien, why the fuck did you play that? Why did you do that? If you look ahead of that play, everyone is running away from them. 
So there was no shot option. And that is why them turnovers happened. Another example, O'Brien in the corridor, looks to switch it, gets cut off. And if you look ahead of him again, the nearest person to him is Durden, who is now 60 metres ahead of him, well out of his field zone. He's literally mm. bolted. So that's where you get them issues. So it's something that Voss is going to have to look at. The one solace is, is if Carlton kicks straight, there was a passage of play where we had 10 scoring shots in a row for one goal nine at the most key moment of the game. That would have been the big change. But if you're in it, you've got a chance. And that's something that he might take from this. Even though they were rubbish, they still could have won it. That Yes, yes. That that was the, um, the interesting thing. You and I, I spoke to you on the phone on Saturday after the game, I, I had forgotten that we had 10 straight scoring shots. And part of the development here is, you know, you're not going to beat your best every week, but when you're not at your best, can you find a way to put yourself in a winning position? And really we did. We just didn't take it. And the Saints did. And it really is as simple as that. Mate, spot on. And I mean, credit to St. Kilda. They didn't do anything special. Their game plan is probably more one-dimensional than ours. They go down the wing 80% of the time, same as us. They switch it early. We switch it late, genuinely. But what they did fantastically is if you go around through the contest where Carlton should pride themselves on, Carlton got their hands to the ball in centre clearances 60% of the time first. In stoppage clearances, 54% of the time first. Mm. That would usually say that you win them counts, and Carlton didn't. And I think some questions, I'd love Voss to answer it. Cherry's played 50% on the ball this year. Walsh has been played just under that. This week, he maximised Walsh's on-ball time, which took away Walsh's gift, which is playing a bit more wide and taking that ball from Hewitt. Great example is quarter one, the first centre bounce. Hewitt gets the ball out of the back of a contest. He looks to play it to someone no one's there. He has to handball forward. They handball six times into trouble. They eventually steal it, kick a goal straight away. The mix-up of Cowton's on-ball pairing this week is the highest percentile with the less rotations than they've ever had. And it's interesting enough, when Walsh goes over 50%, this is the first time he's done it since the Richmond game and the early part of the year where Walsh had really got some middle-patch form playing just a little bit away and being that main ball user. So it's a big one here for me. Chera went from 50% to 0%. Fisher went from 40% to 7%. These are big questions of why Voss thought you'd bully the midfield as opposed to do what you've been doing successfully, and that is outplaying a midfield. Do you think the Jordan Boyd um, sort of withdrawal from the team due to injury had something to do with that? Not really, just, because just with shuffling. He covered, well, he covered that with Noons and Newman predominantly yeah. played and changed that rotation. And then Chera, for some reason, became a half-back, a half-forward. And his wing work was less than 20% this week. He, he literally was deployed across the lines. And if you go back and watch Chera at Fremantle, call me controversial, but two years ago when he was a half-back flanker, I thought he was dog shit. I, I, I thought he was, I've seen him before. There's loads of them out there. I thought when he went on the ball though, and he added that niche, which Fisher did last week, was where his coup de gras is. So whether he was fit, God knows, he was more wrapped up. 
than I've ever seen. But yeah, I mean, it's a lesson learned. And my father-in-law said to me something brilliant. He's worked in football for many years. He said that you want to get these results today, not in finals. And he was like, Voss was just literally, everything he tried was a big question mark. Mm. It was a big question mark. And he's got it out of the way. True, true. Ulger has given us a $31 donation. He says he loves Pommy so much knowledge. A lot of knowledge. Not bad for a pom. Not, hey, not, not bad for a kid wearing a headband. Thank you very much, Ugar. Much love, mate. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, a lot to be disappointed about, but there was also a bit to be excited about. And talk about Jesse Motlop. Watch the replay. I watched his game. I don't like to individualize, but certain performances need to be, um, I don't know, highlighted. I mean, I, I thought the Smalls did their job for the most part, but um, haven't we got something there in Jesse Motlop? Kicking goals in situations when we really needed them. I don't like to talk about this kid because I think he's an absolute flop. But Ginevan, I watched Collingwood and I only watch them for the banter because I'm hoping I can get something that I can have a piss at their fans for. But when you watch Ginevan, he's one player that I watch and think we don't have it. Mm. We've got Durden and Owies, who I consider more defensive forwards. Yeah. But we don't have a guy that just seems to find a way of kicking a goal out of his arse. Motlop this weekend showed me why I loved him as a junior. He has dog shit form in the in the juniors, plays in the seniors, tears it up, did it again. Commitment, direct running. He's and that goal he kicked could have taken the dive, took the free. Had a second effort, had a third effort, snagged it. I think we've got something there. And just quietly, I think the we might hear the term Motlock pocket, the bets pocket we used to have. I've just got a feeling that he could be that little game breaker for us. And I love what he does. Yeah. Well, it, it sort of brought me to a question because Brad Hill seemingly did whatever he wanted. I know that Cottrell paid a little bit more attention to him in that second half. Jack Sinclair brought his own footy. Um, we had three small forwards playing on the Friday. And I remember looking around and thinking like, can one of them play more of a defensive forward role? Or, or is that is that just shaking things up too much? Because I feel like we always let a halfback flanker off the chain. Just easy exits out of our 50. What, what you've noticed, and I think this is, I think the biggest takeout for this for our fans from a structural point of view is people keep saying halfbacks killers. Mm. And, you watch in patches cow and dealt with Sinclair. It was once Sinclair and Hill got off the chain and they didn't do anything special. They do what cow and do with Saad intercept yeah. Mark, or they take the Mark Hill and Sinclair fast as they can run towards that, get the handball received, break the first line. Now what you found, we'll see if you can see it. You should be able to, right? If that is the, that that's the first line of defense and Sinclair's here, Right. Carlton, when they play well, the midfield draw a line there. And you see this in the forward line as well. That's where they come. St. Kilda always had midfielders suddenly when the ball hit the deck in the forward line. Same when they're defend when we're attacking as well. Our midfield should be here. As Hill started to break through, you found our wingers started to go real central. And that line now was here. So there's all this running space. And that is a co common habit against Sydney, 
it it didn't happen. But then against Collingwood, you saw it massively. Against Richmond, we talked about the midfields being almost 12 metres back from where they yeah. were at the start of the game. This is becoming a habit with Carlton. They react to panic. And when they panic, you do the logical thing. If someone was beating you in a foot race, give yourself a bit of time. So step back, step back, step back. Eventually, that gap becomes too much. And if you watch what Hill did and Sinclair, they started crossing paths to the ball carrier, yeah. which made Carlton really spread, creating so much hole in the corridor that Carlton were begging for them to go on the wing. And that is that is something that if I'm Vossi, he needs to try and teach these boys, don't shit yourself. But you've got to remember, this is a young group, one of the youngest groups in the AFL. And when people compare us to Collingwood, just remember who Collingwood have got as their older players. Even though they cause young, they're older players. Penderbury's played finals, won it all. Adams, Crisp, all finals players. Our leaders are Crips, who's like, oh, don't worry about it. I won six games in 2017, lads. That's his experience. He's a new kid. So for me, the big thing for Carlton is stick with it, but they've got to learn to be brave. And what this was, was reaction. And that's and you saw Crips grab by the scruff of the neck, Honey and Durden. That's what he was saying. You guys need to be there. Help us out. Because if you're not, it's too easy. Yeah. Mm. It's going to be a lesson learned. I, I, I didn't sense, I, even in the fan cams, I didn't sense there being too much panic. Um, it's always a little bit different <laughs> on other platforms. Fan cams is always a little different. Um, but I really, I was really able to put this one away and and look at it as if, oh, it's just one of those lessons that we'll learn. We, we haven't really had an inaccurate game like that to that level this year. Just constantly peppering at the sticks. We're very accurate usually. Uh, yeah. our, our, our consistency inside, if you look at the AFL averages, I think we're fifth for efficiency. Yeah. If you actually look at it, though, Cowton's efficiency is a fraudulent start because it's almost the same figure every week where other teams do have this game. They have a 20, 30, 40%. Cowton's is just flatlined. And this week, it's dropped. Mm. So I would expect this next week, them to be crisp top because people are talking about bring your gum shields, make Harry and Charlie kick thousands of goals each or they don't eat dinner. Don't give them a complex. This is a one-off. They've not done this before. Correct. So if I was the coach, Charlie and Harry will be kicking themselves. Mm -hmm. And I would say, right, you let me down last week. I'll back you in this week. And they'll probably fucking tear it up next week. Yeah. We had a, we had a competition running for the, the Carlton Respects Initiative, I gave away a, a Guernsey and a Beanie and uh, an account on YouTube named Schultze won competition. He's a Gold Coast Sun supporter. He's a fan of the channel. He's a fan of the channel. And uh, that was the other part as well. I couldn't even give the Guernsey to a Carlton supporter. Had to like sort of for a Gold Coast supporter who was giving it to a Carlton friend. So just didn't, it just it just wasn't a great, great time. <laughs> Don't talk about taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you've had a shit one when you're giving away a goons into a non-Carlton supporter. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, it is what it is, isn't it? I mean, we could sit here and we can revel. Yeah, I could sit here and tell you that we're pretenders. I could sit here and tell you, you know, book your holiday in September. But 
cold hard facts, and no one's talking about this, so I'm going to be the only social media guy that does. Everyone goes like this. Ooh, Cowton's record's a little bit stiff. Ooh, we've got a tough run home. It's actually a load of bollocks, Cowton's run home, because Cowton are the only team inside the top six that play two teams that aren't mathematically a chance to make finals. That's Adelaide and Eagles. Cowton play four teams in the eight and one team that's challenging for it. Now, genuinely, this type of year, the teams that fuck you are the teams that are 10 to 12. Melbourne play them twice. Geelong, four times. Brisbane, three times. Fremantle, three times. Collingwood, once. Collingwood do have the easiest draw. But you go through it and look at the doggies. The Gold Coast, Port Adelaide. A lot of home fixtures from fourth to first they mm. have. And genuinely, they are the teams that fuck someone's final. Cowton, by the end of this round, potentially, could be level on points with second. Yeah. And that's the thing as well. I mean, you, you obviously, you never want to rely on other teams. But teams all around us are losing every week. It's a, it's a, it's an even competition. Um, you know, at the moment, we're in this holding pattern of winning and losing one for the other, which I don't mind in the sense that stay at 50% or more, you know, to use an American term, 500. Um, we've just got to find at the right time of the year that run. Because I really do sense that this year, I mean, at the moment, right now, as we speak, it looks like Geelong is really, you know, the form team. If we were doing power rankings, they'd probably be at the top. Um, they've won, I think they've won five in a row. Um, we're just seemingly in this holding pattern Collingwood as well, they've won six in a row, which is another story in itself. Um, but I think from, you know, we're coming up to around 17. So what have we got? Five games left. Is that right? Five games left until until the end of the season or six games left, something like that. We've got what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. I'm tripping. Seven games left for the end of the season. This is really the crunch. It's We're, we're really starting to approach that crunch time. You've got to be in good form for at least a month leading into finals. Um, I don't want to talk too soon. I am pretty confident we're playing finals football, but just because we feel confident doesn't mean, you know, it's just going to happen. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I do think we are still primed for a good run at it. Mate, I'm with you. And if you talk about Carlton, we've got what? Eagles, Geelong, GWS, Adelaide, Brisbane, Melbourne, Collingwood. You can't look too far ahead. You can't no. look too far ahead. But... By we play Adelaide, which is our last easy game, sides that are well outside the eight. Cowton should have a full allotment of players probably early. Genuinely, mm -hmm. we find historically in the last 15 years, the form team from round 20 to 22, them two rounds, because 23 has often been a tank round or a round where people rest. So it's hard to read dependent on who you are. But genuinely, they're the teams that threaten finals. If you go back and when Eagles, when Bulldogs won it, their form in the last four was ridiculous, was another level. So for Carlton, it's just a game at a time. But like what I'm telling you is, at the end of this round, we could be tied on points with second. Mm -hmm. So Melbourne are going to take a game off Geelong. Brisbane versus Essendon. No one had Essendon winning Sydney. So... Although I love ladder predictors, they're the tits. I have fun doing them as well. All the ladder predictors I've seen people release have teams on 15 wins and they're eighth. Yeah. Ain't going to happen. 
Like Brit Collingwood, this isn't me because I hate them. They'll lose three of their remaining seven games. Lock it in. Do you know what I mean? And two of them will be teams that you don't expect them to lose to. There's mm. no way you can keep that form up. Geelong are going to drop three. No way they can keep winning. Mm. Before we move on, because <clears throat> we've got some storylines we want to touch on, um, I thought about doing the votes. I kind of liked what we did last week. Maybe everyone in the comments can leave their three, their two, and their one, and you and I can highlight some of our favourite players from, um, or just positives from um, from Friday night. So you want me to give you what? Someone that's not in the votes. Just an, just an honourable mention. Honourable mention. I'm going to give an honourable mention to someone who I actually had in my original five votes that I do for my channel. Yes. That is Mr. George Hewitt, right? And people are going to go, Pom, are you crazy? Ten tackles. Won the ball multiple times. Was a big part of Carlton winning the pressure act count. I, I enjoyed his game and I thought he was grossly let down by the midfielders, by the by midfielders, the because he won his job. He kept looking for his men that he usually distributes to, and he was grossly let down. But I love the fact, even till the end, I thought the fourth quarter was disgusting from Carlton in the last 10 minutes, conceding six uncontested marks with a game on the line to zero. Mm -hmm. He worked tirelessly all the time, and he felt like we could win it. And mm -hmm. I feel sorry for George, because I think he's copped a bit of hate this week. But yeah. I enjoyed his game. He just didn't have his mates. Agreed. I um, I actually, I know that he had a few kicked on him, especially early, but I just like the way in which I'm seeing Brody Kemp fight back into the contest because he's gonna get, he's gonna have moments where it doesn't go his way. He's too young and too inexperienced for these situations not to happen to him. What I really look for in a kid like him is what's his character like when you know that the opposition have got more experience on him. Um, how's he going to be able to find a way to impact? And I think the last few weeks, uh, the Frio game and, and the Saints game, both of them, he probably started off giving up a few marks on the lead, giving up a few goals, but he still found a way to stand up and just find a way to fight through it and and get things on his terms. And, and I just think there are some good signs there from him. He's got, he's got something about him, hasn't he, Kempe? He's got a bit of yeah. hotspur. And I always yeah. think when we love Wietering for one thing. And that's, he can get battered by Lynch in a quarter. You never see Lynch again. Kemp's got that desire. You've got to remember as well, he only played seven games as a junior, as a key defender. Mm -hmm. So let that sink in against people his own age group, who he's bigger than seven times. Always was the third tall or a halfback tall guy. So yeah, I, I, I think there's hope for him. And I think these, these lessons will serve him well because he'll have a great understanding about how key forwards work in this competition. Mm -hmm. I also want to give another shout out, a, a great honourable mention. Um, the Wolf. The Wolf is absolutely back. I um, I guess Mars and the boys on the couch and the jumper, a jumper punch last week. Sort of, well, they've been talking about it for, for a bit now. Um, but last week it gained some traction. I reckon the club were watching it. They realised what was going on. Um, cheer squad got on board. We spoke about it last week on Monday night as well on the show with, with Paolo. And I kind of went to the game hoping just to hear it maybe once or twice and then hopefully start the process of it getting louder and louder. I think by the end of the game, it was very cool. 
and it adds a different dynamic to the fans and it really unites people for a um, you know, for that moment. Now, sometimes Saad doesn't really kick it long, but I don't think that matters. I think once he starts winding it up and that thing starts roaring, it, it's very, it's very unique. And it kind of brought back my childhood memories because I only caught the end of Christy. I was very, very young, but I still remember flashes of the wolf. I thought it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. It was a bit of a bastard on the watch along because we just started doing it every time he got a touch. And there was that passage of play. He had about four touches in five seconds. Yeah. So I sounded like someone had given a chihuahua ecstasy. But aside from that, I love it. Great initiative. Um, awesome of the club as well. I've got to say, typical Carlton media started by someone else, but they managed to word it as if it was their idea. Come on, Carlton media. We know all the good ideas for you guys come from Blue Abroad. So start being honest with yourselves. It's all right. Let them take the credit. They do a fantastic <laughs> job. Um, but no, I think it was cool. Um, I guess I'm not too panicky because it's not two losses. We haven't lost two in a row. We've always found a way to, you know, when we get smacked to smack back. And I guess I just expect it to happen again this week. Um, I don't know. Imagine we lose two in a row and uh, the whole house burns down. That's um, Then we go back into what it used to be here. Mate, if we lose to West Coast, we lose to West Coast. We lose like, to West Coast too. Like, like I, I can't put this message out to everyone as much as possible. But if you're in the mindset of always being negative, only darkness can come from that. So if it happens, the old POM saying, prepare for what you can prepare for, react to what you can. Mm. If you're going into this game thinking, oh my God, we're going to lose this weekend, you're only going to make yourself more miserable. Like, I don't buy into that philosophy. Oh, but I thought we were going to lose. Well, yeah. Jesus. I mean, you know your dad's going to die eventually. You, you don't You don't think it's going to happen every day, though. Do you know what I mean? So don't wish it on yourselves. It is what it is. If they lose, Voss's problem. But telling you, they shouldn't lose. And you've got to remember, when we were shit, what did sides do? They came and they played fucking their way. And they mm. made us look weak and pathetic because we were weak and pathetic. We need to back our boys in to go in there and fucking bully these Eagles. Don't care they've got Nick Nat back. Who the fuck is Nick Nat? Never heard of him for about six months. Go in there, play your way, because the only way the West Coast Eagles can beat us is playing 2018 Carlton. Ugly, scrappy, slow. Back the boys in to bounce back, believe in them. Go out there, blue boys. Play your fucking brand of football because they're old. They're useless. They can't run with you. So let's mm. believe in them. Go, yeah. Voss. Love it. Um, let's just move on from the game because we're going to never think about it again in the future. I feel like it's just going to be one of those games where we just don't reference and we forget really quickly. Um, what were some of the storylines? Well, let's just step back and step out and step more on a high level. What, are, what do you think are some of the storylines that are emerging over the last month? I, I feel like trends happen three to four weeks at a time in this league. Um, what are you at home and Pommy, what are you wanting to bring up here? Kane Corns' continual ability to write football articles while being higher than a kite. So um, this week, um, this week just gone. He had that wonderful article that TDK is a million-dollar footballer. <laughs> Can I just say, having the privilege to do analytics for you all when you guys ask questions, I've had some really bizarre 
requests. That is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. Do you think TDK is worth a million? <laughs> Over how many years? Maybe two years I might pay him a million. Fuck me. But I want to talk about the salary cap and be oh. practical about it because the posts I saw before, thank God Carlton lost to St. Kilda because you were all saying, oh, we might win the flag this year, but we'll have no team. Um, so we got something else to worry about. But the worry at the moment is really, really concerning because you've got to remember two things. So this time last year, Nick Austin talked about there was roughly 800 to a million in the salary cap. So let that sink in before re-signings, right? At the moment, we have an estimated 550 on the salary cap for a player who's not playing called Liam Jones. So the AFL rules are, even though he's retired, he's still on the salary cap budget sheet until September 2022. So instantly you've got half a million. Then these are the list of players we have. Caleb Marchbank, David Cunningham, Edward Kerno, Jack Noons, Jordan Boyd, Josh Honey, Lachlan Fogarty, Liam Stocker, Luke Parks, Cottrell, Owies, McDonald, Durden, Sam, Williamson, who we know has unfortunately retired, Will Hayes and Setfield will be due contract renewals at the end of the year, should we choose to keep them. There is roughly of, of the tosh we will get rid of there, about two, about two million. So, Carlton are totally fine because when they their last signing was when Walsh re-signed their big one, a specific direct quote from Carlton that Walsh took under what was estimated, which keeps us well ahead of our projected salaries for 2023 and onwards. So Carlton are well ahead of the salary cap. Do not worry about it. Kane Corns is a melt. The time to leave Carlton has come and gone. If, it, if there was going to be an exodus, it would have already happened by now. I'm not sure who in their right mind of this group who's been through the real thick of it from 2015 onwards would leave now. It just doesn't make sense to me. And they even reference it um, when you see the little media grabs in, in things that they do for the club and, and, and Carlton Media. I'm just, I'm just not worried one bit about losing one of these one of these key figures. And I just think we get sucked in way too much to the mainstream media. You see the Instagram pages all repost the Kane Corns quote. Um, I understand it generates engagement and likes and viewership and followers. And I get that. And that, you know, means, means some things to some people, but we need to be a little smarter. Like it, they're just trying to create a story and a narrative. What you're seeing at the moment is look at the opposition fans. So great person to look at, Swoop Luke. Mm. When we were shit, never talked about us. Go, go and look at Swoop's history. When we got dicked by St. Kilda, GWS on the regular, not a peep from him. Now we're winning. There's a threat. You've got you've got St. Kilda melts in here, you know, faceless profiles from their mum's basement, dropping banter. There's only one reason they're doing that. That's his grand final. That's St. Kilda's grand final. Look look at Jake at St. Kilda Fan TV. Guy's smiling. What's he got to smile about? But he's smiling because he beat us. And remember us two years ago, we'd beat Helen Keller's under 12s and we get excited. We're becoming something. So the media feed you narratives because they can't say we're shit anymore because we're 10 and 6. We're winning games. We're in finals hunts, etc. They can't say we're shit. So now we 
they say TDK is worth a million. It's 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 mental. Stop buying yeah. into it. Stop buying into the ray of yeah. that we're gonna not make finals because they're pushing that agenda now. It's rubbish. A hundred percent. Um, the only way it gains legs is if you believe in it. That real that's really the only way. Um problem is we've got the IFL is without Carlton, without Richmond, without Essendon. Do you know what I mean? That is literally the, the AFL's done. So Collingwood, Essendon, Richmond, Carlton, without them teams, it's just 10 other irrelevant teams. Do you know what I mean? Irrelevant teams that no one cares about. Do you know what I mean? If St. Kilda went under tomorrow, no one would give a shit apart from Jake. Do you know what I mean? If North Melbourne went under tomorrow, no one would give a shit apart from Brayshaw on commentary. Carlton are this league. Collingwood are this league. Why do you think Gillian's smiling? Because Richmond, Collingwood and Carlton are in finals. That is the biggest thing. So that, that they're going to write about us. They're always going to write trash. Do you know what I mean? Harry mm. Mackay's flopping is my favourite one. Go back a year to the day. Kane Corn specified on footy classified. Harry needs to look at Jack Rewalt to, to try getting freeze. Actually tell the umpire he's getting pulled. He's too honest. Now, evidently, he's a flopper. Like, come on, man. The guy's an idiot. This is why we exist. These guys, one, they don't know football, and two, they just know gossip. That's it. Yeah. I've got one. The the midfield, it's been an interesting conversation. I think at the start of the year, it was just very much, it was clear who the best midfield mix was. Have, have they fully gelled? Like fully gelled, or are we just seeing because one's all one's out injured, and one has to be a makeshift midfielder? I'm just not a hundred percent sure on what the best midfield mix looks like, or if it's just always going to be a rotating midfield. Kind of want to look at it as if, okay, we go into week one of finals, or we go into a grand final. Who do we rely on in that midfield? And I don't know if we've got the full synergy just yet with it. I think it'll be it's gonna be a weird one because you look at what Voss has done. Yeah. Cripps, Hewitt, and Kennedy are definitely his preferred on ball trio. Yes. And then if you look when Pittenet and TDK played, it was almost 50% that they alternated on the ball towards the back end of TD before the back end of Pittenet. They were about 56, 44. They really did start to merge that. And then Cherrett and Walsh cover the next one 50% apiece. So I think that is the the preferred rotation. I think no one can argue that's the best rotation for Carlton. I think that is until Fisher's put in a bit of a cog now because I thought he was sensational. Yeah. So that may mean are Carlton too defensive in midfield? That would be a question for Voss. I don't think it will happen this year. But I do think next year he might say, do I need a Kennedy? Do I need that brute strength? Or do I mirror a Melbourne, a Richmond, a St. Kilda, and have that extra tough guy come from elsewhere? So a great example is Melbourne. They take Neil Bullen from the forward half and bring him in when it gets tight. So maybe that might be an area for Kennedy that we do know he pops up with a marking forward 50. He did it this week. Is that something Voss looks at full time? Mm. Yeah, I think all around the ground, there are still some question marks as to what it's going to look like. I mean, when Weedering comes back, 
the question is, and I actually forgot to mention this earlier when we were talking about Kemp, I'd really love to see Kemp play in the side still when Weedering comes back uh, because I think he's got this offensive flair about him as a defender, um, which we have a couple of them. I think McGovern's probably one of them. I think Zach Williams is is generally one of them, an attacking defender. Um, there seems to be, I know a lot of them are injured right now, but there seems to be this situation that's going to come up soon where there's a log jam of defenders. And I don't know how we're going to navigate through that because some of them are very high paid. So you have to play them or you, know, you have to play them. Um, but then you've got these young ones coming through in, in Kemp. I even think Jordan Boyd's shown some really good signs. Um, and then Stocker over the next few years as well. I think that's really starting to quickly evolve. I think we're very fortunate that even though I think what's the big testament is we've had injuries 90% to our backline. We've still fielded a team. We've still won games, which mm. I think is a huge plus to how many defenders we've got. Does it mean we're going to be in a situation when they're all fit and firing like Richmond with small forwards, which means they can sell these guys on for second rounders, third rounders, etc.? Uh, but that rotation, I do think, quietly, if I was Voss, Kemp would play the next two weeks until M McGovern's fit. Round 18, he said he would return maybe through the VFL, maybe through AFL. Is that something you do? Drop Plowman this week and go, right, look, let's see what that intercept is. Because there's no getting away from it. The first three rounds with McGovern, Carlton were very, very different in its Absolutely. ball use. Yeah. And you do see it holds them back this week. Plowman a few times did get the intercept, but the guy doesn't have the kicking prowess of mm. a McGovern who can hit that flat kick. They were all them mm. dinky slow kicks. So mm. might be something if you're Voss, you think, we'll tell you what, give him three weeks and dangle the carrot to McGovern, say, get your job back. And I think McGovern needs that. Get yep. He's always walked into Carlton as a forward or a backman. So let's mm. put Kemp there and say, get your job back, mate. Yeah. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, was Tom Williamson. Um, I kind of refrained from talking about it because I didn't, it was, just, it was just so weird. It just sort of came out of nowhere. And I guess because we're, because we're winning, it probably doesn't get as much of a spotlight on it. If we were having the season that we were having last year and this announcement came, I think it would look a lot worse and it would feel a lot worse. But just like that, He's, he's he's gone. He's retired. So obviously it begs the question: like, what's happened? Um, never going to know. Don't know him personally. Um, I only can assume something personal has gone on. But it just seems so bizarre that that's it. His career is over. Like, did he instantly lose the passion for the game? It's it's a real sad one. And then also, it's happened only like what a month or so after the midseason draft. Like, is was this such a shock factor? Is it not something that we prepared for previously? And, you know, in a season where we've already lost quite a few players, we lose another list spot to to nothing. It's, it's just gone. It's just, it's just vanished into nothingness. It, it is an awkward time, isn't it? Like, it's what, five, six weeks after the mid-year draft, which you could have an argument, or oh, six weeks ago, if you made this decision, Count would have had another pick. Maybe they could have brought something in or found something in an interim. Um it's sad, though, because we don't know. So, I mean, we're obviously speculating it is mental health, which we're assuming it is by the Carlton Club's wording. 
I, I do think though, like I know, I did read a comment the other day and it really angered me and I snapped at them saying, oh, I go to work all the time. I'm not a spoiled rich footballer though. I, I think my best advice to Tom Williamson as a young man is if he's lost the hunger and it's bringing him pain. And it, I say this to people who have YouTube channels. If people making negative comments bring you pain, don't fucking do it. Do you know what I mean? Life's too short. He's a young, young man. He's mid-twenties. Life is way too short to do something for six figures and be upset, man. And if Tom Williamson, God rest him, enjoys something else, fucking go and do it, mate. And I wish him all the best. It's sad, but at the end of the day, fuck Carlton Football Club for a minute. I'd rather Tom Williamson be happy than play for me and go somewhere that is horrible. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Mentally. So hopefully it's not too serious. This kind of opens the pathway for him to enjoy life. But God bless him, man, because he was a great player and he was such a great potential. And he's such a lovely boy as well. So, so uh, he's a, such a good kid. He really is. He's a, he's a good, he's a good one. Good character. Uh, very polite. Um, it's just, it's just sad. It's just sad that we're having the turnaround year. It's so strange to me that this is the year of the turnaround for us as a club. And we lose one of our young up and coming guys. And don't know, he just, he had that aggression that we all loved about him. And we just felt that if he could just get the skills and the consistency and all of that, he could be a handy player. It just, it's so, it's just so strange to me that the way, the way that it's ended just like that. It's crazy. 2016, six, six seasons, right? He's been at this club. Literally the six shitty seasons, and the poor guy leaves just when they're probably turning. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like he's he's one of them guys who deserves to play a final. Do you know what I mean? He's been through it all. He's he's seen the GWS getting absolutely battered. Do you know what I mean? He's he's seen them, and that is sad. I think, but do you know what I mean? It is what it is, and maybe without being horrible was probably on the chopping block anyway at the end of the year because there is so many people and maybe he's made the decision now because it's probably better for him to go out on his own terms Mm. and all that. But I I hope to see Tom back in some capacity, whether it's country footy or something. Um, A great guy, man. Great guy. That's it. We wish him all the best. Um, Let's talk about the next few weeks. Um, We sat here two weeks ago. We had Fremantle and St. Kilda to play. I asked the question, what's the expectation for the next two-week block? And we said, well, the general consensus was one and one. We got that. Let's look at the next two weeks. West Coast on Sunday, away, into Geelong on the Saturday at the MCG. Those of you watching at home, what do you think is you know a reasonable expectation for the next two weeks? Pommy? If they want top four, two zero. Got to win both. If finals is the answer, one out of two. But if I'm Vossi, I, I can bat these guys in wholeheartedly to go two and zero. Yeah, I yeah, think that. Well, I, I think that's the aim. Geelong, G wide ground. Geelong don't like that. They condense it. Go for two, and you're looking different when you're entertaining GWS. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, we spoke about it earlier briefly around the narrative around danger game and 
everyone loves pointing out that the, every week could be a danger game. And of course, every well, let's be honest, every game's a danger game if you don't come with the right attitude. Any game, you can lose to anyone on any given day. I don't look at this as a danger game at all. I watched the Eagles against the Tigers. They looked solid for a patch of it. But for over, over the course of the four quarters, and again, if we bring the heat and the focus, we're clearly a better side. I'm not worried about this week. Do you know what I mean? There, there's a one in 10,000 chance that when you open your eyes, you have a heart attack. Danger wake up, danger crossing the road, danger peanut, danger bee. Like, where does this danger go? It's elite level sport. Do you know what I mean? As proven last week, Essendon knocked off Sydney away. Yeah. This, this league is squeaky bum time. Whenever you're slightly off, you get battered if that team is up. So, yeah. I, Look at it this way. Geelong will be looking at Carlton and going, oh, fuck, this is a bit tough. We've got Melbourne this week, Carlton next. They're probably thinking, got to be one out of two over this next block. So are we. So just remember, every side will look at Carlton and go, oh, don't want to play them. No one oh. wants to play us, mate. Nobody. Do you know what I mean? I have a good friend, right, who works for Melbourne. You won't mind me telling this. He said... One of the sides he wouldn't want to play, right? If they had, if they if they lost the first final and had to play an eliminator, he said Carlton would be the la the last side. He said Carlton and Pies were the two sides he wouldn't want to fucking play in a head to head knockout game because both teams play aggressive. Mm. So give it's okay when people say this on Twitter. Get on Twitter. You know, do you know what I mean? They get on the soapbox and put the suit and tie on and go, oh, you've got to respect them. You've got to respect the Eagles. They did win a flag two years ago. Fuck that. They've got to you've got to respect your own team as well, right? These guys are a fifth in the ladder, people. Fifth in the ladder. Do you know what I mean? Start putting some fucking respect in them 22 who go out there because they've yeah. done that job for you. For you. You guys and girls. So put respect in them. So I guarantee you now, Eagles, Geelong, GWS, Adelaide, they're going to be a fucking bit worried about playing Carlton too. And I bet, I bet no one in Twitter or Facebook does this, what you did the other day with North Melbourne to me, which pissed me off something rotten. Oh, they've lost a few games. David Noble's getting the arse. I bet <laughs> they'll fight back. And we absolutely ran them riot. Well, same thing with Eagles, right? Oh, Carlton let Vossy down. They love Voss. Oh, better be worried about that. Carlton are a good side. Let's not take the piss. Good side this year. So they'll worry about us too. Well, we're going to start getting some players back starting this week. Thank the heavens. Jacob Wittering looks like he's going to be okay to come in. Um, I think Jack Martin will be well-rested and good to come back in. I think Matt Owies will be available for selection. Um, and then over the next two to three weeks, we're going to see McGovern. We're going to see Pittanet. Who is the other one? Is Zach Williams? No. Zach Williams is late season. Boy, late. late season. Cunningham. Cunningham's been two weeks. It's like a perpetual two weeks. Yeah, it's, the, it's the classic Mark Murphy two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might, like, like there's rumours going around that, you know, that 
Cunningham died six months ago and they've actually got a lookalike to replace him at training. Like it's becoming that like Paul McCartney rumor. Just don't know what's happening with Connors. Yeah. So with with Jackie Martin, we spoke about it a bit last week. You've got Motlop, you've got Durden, you've got Honey. For Jack Martin to play, who's coming out? Oh, and always, who we know Voss loves because of what he does for the system. Mate, Spawn, what's, how's he come in? Probably it's him and Honey, straight straight shot. Yeah. Straight shot, straight swap. Um, it's that thing, though, innit? I do think that Martin, for me, falls in the McGovern category. Both of them have always played. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no pressure. When they're fit, they play. Yeah. I would love to see Martin and McGovern both have to go through the process to get back in the first. Yeah, and that's I why I hope Kemp keeps his spot. I'd love Honey to get another week. If Martin is ready this week, go into the VFL and prove your worth. Because I think they're very similar players. One brings more offensively. One brings more in the terms of bringing other players in. So, But I'd love to see just once Martin and McGovern fight to get in the side, not just yeah. be there. Well, McGovern's had a long time out. Martin's had two weeks um, with the calves and, and, and the soft tissues and, and the general niggles that he, he generally picks up this time of the year. McGovern is definitely the one I'm really curious to see what they do with him because, like you said, you know how much of a better side we are when he plays. Um, and then there's the argument of, well, if he's going to play, why would he play in the twos? He's too good for the twos. And then the counter is, well, we're trying to make a statement and build a culture here. So I'm not sure what the answer is. Well, that's why I think give Cam two weeks. You know, he, he, he performs. He sets the bar. They said round 18, Voss said specifically he'd play VFL or AFL. So that gives Cam two weeks to set a benchmark of what Kemp can do. He goes into VFL round 18, says, right, here you are. I did this. Mm. I'm worthy. Actually show him. So he's actually got something against. Because usually what happens is, oh, shit, we just got to play him. There is a reason now to not play him. And let's yeah. see what Kemp is. He's served his apprenticeship, key defender twice. Let's give him his best job as a third and see if he's up to it. And say to McGovern, here's the benchmark. Beat it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how many how many changes do you think we're going to make this week? I'm look. I think I think we'll make two. I think two will come out. I think Weedering has to come in, and I think we have to reply. I think we have to. I think Stocker has to play, right? I don't know if I don't know if the the lack of back pocket defender was a good thing for us, especially when you talk about Liam Ryan, Willie Rioli, Jamie Cripps is in you know solid little form as well. Um, I just think we can't afford to have one too few small defenders. I, I, I'm with you, and I think that although Noons was very serviceable going at 93%, playing at half back, letting Newman and Doc take that back pocket position, I think it robbed Peter to pay Paul at times. Yeah, a little bit. Where So I, I would probably, I hate to say this because I love him, and if you're watching Jack Noons, I'm so sorry, but I'm dropping you for Stocker. I'm sorry, please still love me. Um, I'd probably drop Honey as well. I hate to say it because I love him. Bring Owies back. And I would drop Plowman and play Wheatering. 
and go that way. Yeah. I feel bad to drop two of my favourites. I'm so sorry. Two of your favourites, mate. You sat right near them, sponsors dinner, and just mugged them off on live television. (laughs) So sorry. So sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, Okay, that's interesting. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I I really am. It's one of these weeks where you've had like a really shitty loss. You just want to get over it, but you have to sit in it until, in this case, it's, it's it's the later game on a Sunday. Um, which I hope is going to be a good thing for us because we'll have to stew on it and and really force uh, ourselves to reflect on it. I just want the ball to bounce so we can forget about St Kilda already. Mate, I'm with you. And like like I said, right, on the same token, when I'm saying danger game, I, I, I truly believe it's done to underplay Carlton. So yeah. respect goes both ways. But talking with intelligence, West Coast can beat you as can every side. So for me, danger game is like going on the internet and saying the earth is flat. It's that ridiculous to me because all 18 sides can beat each other. What Carlton needs to focus on, we as fans, is this side playing their brand, that Mm. brand that Voss keeps talking about. And they play their brand. There's a reason Carlton are fifth and there's a reason the Eagles are 18th, right? Do you know what I mean? Carlton's injury list, incidentally, is worse than the Eagles by 10, because it's a lie, they're 38 players, because they had COVID and they lost an entire team. Cowton's has been organic injuries. So Cowton need to give these guys the same respect as they'd give Melbourne, the same preparation, play your way. But if Cowton play their way, it's like the St. Kilda game. Cowton play their way has proved that we were shit and still nearly won the game. Cowton's level is that is, is one rung above. The same with this, but it's important about having that standard. If Carlton have a poor week, West Coast will bore us to tears. They will slow it down, get it on their terms. If Carlton do what Richmond did, let them in with a chance. They kept it close. They didn't run away with it till late. That's going to keep their eagles about. And remember what we were like. We were always hungry when it was close. Mm-hmm. Collingwood, great example. We were always close to Collingwood. They always nipped us at the end. Richmond did the same. They keep us close. We give them hope. Anything can happen. Carlton have to address that first quarter. Go in there, set the standard, say we're number five in the ladder for a reason, and they'll be okay. So we've got to back that in. If they don't do that, could be a long day at the office. Yeah. Well, big week coming up. Starts with episode 42 of the Jumper Punch. Let's have a look at who they've managed to find this week. Hi, I'm Robert Walls. I used to play for Carlton, lucky enough to play in three premierships and uh, even coach the Blues to a flag a long time ago in 87. Make sure you watch Jumper Punch, Tuesday, 8 o'clock. On fire. I know, I know, that's a big one. That is a big one. What an icon. Tell you what, Paolo Rocco and Big Marzi, they get the jobs done, don't they? They do. They've got uh they've got uh Mr. Lochasano in there as well, pulling some strings, getting helping helping out with these interviews as well. Uh episode fifty is upcoming. That's a big deal. Fifty episodes. It's uh it's a massive deal. Awesome work. Great to see what they do. Uh, I I love all three of them. I love all three of them. Likewise. Uh Pommy. What's up for the week for you, mate? 
been up and about with the content? Are we uh, where are we at with the sub the road? Uh, we're halfway. Oh, we're halfway there. (laughs) Two thousand five hundred just about to hit. So if you do want to jump on Pommy and Oz, that would be much appreciated. Give me a like and a sub. It's like this, but just me. Um, Oh yeah, we've got loads coming up. We've got VFL rundown because obviously they didn't play last week, so we're going to do a bit of a rundown on them. What's coming on? Preview bit of banter throughout the way. We've got a live show on Wednesday with the wonderful Faz as well. So we discuss all things AFL, all the controversial topics, and we have a bit of piss take on that as well, a bit light-hearted, take the piss out of some pundits because we hate everyone who's paid to talk about football. And yeah, that's about it, really. <laughs> love that, mate. Love that for you. Well, um, enjoy that. Guys, have a great evening. We'll uh, see you throughout the week. The preview will be out in the next few days and just bring the heat on Sunday, right? Mate, just take it to them in the stands. Get on the watch along with me if you're in Melbourne and we'll bully some West Coasters and some umpires. Let's do it. Go from there. Go Blues. Go Blues.